0: best sandwich ever ah, i wanted to make you a little hungry this morning best sandwich ever best sandwich ever does anybody know what this is right here i don't know if you can kind of tell with the picture eh, i'd go with grilled cheese right not bad grilled cheese how about this one right here this is this is one of my favorite a good PB now you can't tell it looks like tomato in there, but that's actually jelly. Nothing like a good peanut butter and jelly. And when you have a peanut butter and jelly, it's gotta have the right ratio of peanut butter and jelly, right? (laughs) And lastly, how about a good Philly cheesesteak, hot beef sandwich, maybe some grilled peppers and onions? Ooh. If you were to look up what is the most popular sandwiches around the United States. Number one, number one is a grilled cheese. And maybe it's because kids voted maybe more than adults. I don't know. Number two, grilled chicken. Nothing like a good grilled chicken. I'm all about that. Number three, turkey sandwich. Number four, roast beef. Number five, ham sandwich. Number six, a BLT sandwich. Number seven, the club sandwich. Number eight, the just a bacon, good old bacon sandwich. Give me some good old bacon fatty sandwich, right? Now, sadly enough, because peanut butter and jelly is one of my favorites, it's number nine. I mean, that, that broke my heart because I love peanut butter and jelly. Sad that it fell all the way to nine. But anyway, number 10, and it's kind of weird, it goes bacon, peanut butter and jelly, and then pulled pork. Number 10, pulled pork. Number 11, good old tuna sandwich 12 egg salad sandwich ah. meatball sandwich number 13 14 reuben nothing like a good reuben either right number 15 french dip sandwich but the most iconic sandwich and those were the top 15 sandwiches in america but the most iconic sandwich the most iconic sandwich invented 1930 is the Philly Cheese Steak Sandwich. If you have a favorite sandwich this morning, and maybe I listed in those top 15, which may be one of those that would, your tummy's like, yeah, I could, I could do that right now. I could have one of those. I think we all have learned that every good sandwich has to have all the right ingredients. I think every good sandwich has to have the right amount of every single ingredients. I don't know if any of us have parents who cook good food, and, and let's just all say, okay, yeah, I, mom, dad, you know, somebody cooked something good, right? And if there was a favorite you had, you probably asked mom or dad, "What did you put in that?" Because I love it. Teach me. Show me. Write down what the ingredients so that I may copy my favorite dish, Mom or Dad, that you made for me. So we're gonna hold that thought for a second. We'll go to six First Timothy six twelve through the Philly cheesesteak. Just kidding, here it goes. First Timothy six twelve, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before so many witnesses. And then Ephesians six 12, We're not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So what does a good sandwich and fighting the good fight and Apostle Paul's, the spiritual battle, all have to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, 2024, God put on my heart, We need to learn better we need to learn to step we need to learn to stretch beyond ourselves to fight the good fight we need to learn the fighting a good fight in this sense has to start where has to start in the spirit and if we don't fight in the spirit then nothing we do physically will matter if we don't learn to fight, whether it's on our knees, praying, if we don't learn to fight spiritually, the way that God made us to, then nothing we physically do will matter. History will repeat itself. There were things that will circulate and continue to go. She'll be coming around that mountain when she comes. Yeah, here I come again, around the second time, third time. Yeehaw. But how many you know, when you circle a mountain enough times, eventually you get tired of it. And if you're tired of circling a mountain... It's because maybe you're not fighting spiritually what God has called you to fight. So 2024, equipping, equipping, grabbing all the right ingredients that we need to make this the best year ever. When Paul said fight the good fight, he wasn't just saying to Timothy, get the gloves on, get ready to go, we're going to fight it out. He was saying to Timothy, God has saved you. But now it's time to fight for everything God has for you. God just doesn't want us to live. Remember? God wants us to fully live. But in order to fully live, guess what? We got to learn to fight for it. We got to learn to fight for the right to fully live for all that God has for us. 2024, God equip me and God give me, enable me. Help me to see, to feel, to include all the ingredients that I need this year to make it the best year ever. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1, actually in verse 2. And it says this. Well, we're going to go to verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters. The spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's light. There is light. There is light. And God saw that the light was good. And then he separated the light from the darkness. Last week we talk about getting a big picture. And involved in this big picture is understanding that God has invited me, God has called me, and he wants me to be a part of the big picture. The big picture, any kind of picture, any kind of life, any kind of person has what? It always has a beginning. And in this beginning, God created the Heavens and the earth, but to understand God as a creator, to understand God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God created what I see. It takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith to believe. It takes faith to understand. Hebrews eleven three says, "By faith, we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command." that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen it takes faith how many of us remember junior high maybe having our first crush and maybe for some of you crazy ones that crush started a little sooner than junior high but let's just start at junior high and let's just say in junior high can you remember that first crush and that guy or girl like ah how many people Kids, Did we ever say as little kids, I love you to someone, and we haven't even really met them? How many kids in junior high? It's amazing, like, if you look at junior high kids, sometimes they will have 30 boyfriend and girlfriends by the time they get out of junior high. And they did even really get face-to-face time with any one of them, but they could say, I dated 30 kids in junior high. Many of us in this life had said I love you to someone when we had no idea what love is. But you, when you said that in that first crush, I love you, what did it take? Faith to believe in love. Faith to believe in love. You said you loved someone when you didn't even know them. You didn't know that they snored. You didn't know that when they went into the bathroom, they left it a mess. You had no idea at the end of the day what they smelled like. You had no idea what kind of breath they had first thing in the morning. You had no idea in junior high what a guy or girl was fully like, but yet you said, I love you, and you didn't even know him. Why? Because it took faith. It takes faith this morning to understand God created the heavens and the earth and what we now see did not come from anything that we can be seen Hebrews 11:5 It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to sorry no, I want to go to 6. Hebrews 11, 6, and it says it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So in the beginning of our big picture, we understand there is a beginning. What is the beginning? God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. God spoke light, 186,000 miles a second, taking off. And it takes faith to understand we are created. We are created. But in having faith in God, what do do the writer of Hebrews say? God rewards those who believe and those who sincerely seek him. And me personally, I think there's enough evidence. I do believe there is enough evidence in this planet, on this beautiful place called earth, Just driving around Hammett, we can see how wonderful and amazing God is that he created and that he fashioned and He put all these things together. The stars, the sun, the moon, the land, the ocean, the mountains that are amazing to hike and walk and climb and find gold nuggets. There is so much evidence around this place. The more that we study the beautiful creation that God has made, the more evidence we see in ourselves at all points, there is a creator. Romans one twenty. For since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made, and they can clearly see God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. And so, beginning this morning, as we start the big picture, we understand, yes, God's the creator. Number two, it takes faith to believe that God is the creator. But for some people, no matter how much evidence people see, no matter how much evidence people see, you know what some say? Eh, no thanks, no thanks. You can keep that God stuff to yourself. I mean, I'll believe in the universe. I believe in karma. I believe in evolution. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I believe daddy's got all the money I need. He's my sugar daddy. I believe in so many different things. But yet when it comes to, for some reason, the God of the Bible, the story of creation, the cross, and eternity, many say what? No, no. Hmm, I wonder why. Well, John 3.19 says, Judgment's based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light. They refuse to go near it, to fear that their sins will be exposed. Those who do what is right... Come to the light so others can see what they're doing, what God wants. In Hebrews 3, 7, 9, says this. That's why the Holy Spirit says today when you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience even though they saw miracles for 40 Years. Verse 10. I was angry with them and I said, Their hearts will always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. In my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers, sisters, that you make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today, while it's still today. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we're faithful to the end, trust in God as firmly as when we first believe, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Such an amazing verse right here. If we're faithful to the end, trust in God firmly as when we first believe, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. It takes faith to believe in God but it takes sin and rebellion to turn away. And many of us, most of the time, sometimes we can't catch. We can't catch. I don't know if you've ever had, you know, a pet or animal, and when the doors open, they like to run out, and they want to be free. Freedom! And it takes a while to catch those sweet little devils. Sometimes for us, it's hard to catch the devil when he creeps in Because we left a little crack in the window and he creeps in with a little lie and he creeps in with a little feeling and he creeps in with a little thought and the next thing you know the thought the feeling oh my gosh i'm starting to turn away from god i didn't even realize it my heart started to become hard and numb and i didn't even realize it god said in this in this verse here in hebrews he led the israelites for 40 years They were were supernaturally provided for. There was a cloud by day and a fire by night that led over a million people. They were going through the wilderness. A cloud by day, a fire by night. They had food supernaturally rained down from heaven every single day. They had a little bread and a little meat. Okay, it wasn't all-you-can-eat buffet, but it was still food that was supernaturally provided from heaven. But no matter what God did in 40 years, he said your shoes never wore out. Can you believe wearing the same shoes for 40 years? Your shoes never wore out. But no matter what God provided, no matter how God protected them from their enemies, some of them, their hearts still became hard and rebellious and they turned away from God so as some as we think about God the creator as some study the evidence some will say yes I believe but those who have things in their heart that are not good little dark spots in their heart they're saying no thanks because the minute I start to acknowledge God is creator, the minute, the second, the nanosecond that I start to announce, God is the creator, God is the creator, God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, you know what happens? There starts to be a shift. There starts to be a shift. The minute there's acknowledgement, the minute I start to acknowledge God is the creator, there's a shift that starts happening here, here. And everywhere, when I understand there is a creator, when I've seen the evidence and I can't deny it anymore, God is real, God is real, there's a shift that starts happening. What is that shift? We start living a life that's directed up instead of for what we see. The minute you acknowledge God is a creator, there's a shift that happens here, here, and everywhere. And that shift is, now I'm living for there when I die now instead of just living for me, instead of just living for me. And when we acknowledge that God is the creator, we understand that on this great planet, and it is a great planet, and this is a great valley, And this is a great life. No matter what we go through, no matter what happens last week, tomorrow, today, no matter what is going on, this is a good, great life that God has given to us. We are alive. God has breathed his breath into us every single day. We get to, ah, man, that clean hem and air. Whew, that is so yummy. The breath of life. Living within us. But the minute we announce, God, you're the creator, God says, now it's time to start stewarding, being accountable, responsible, walking in the authority that I've given to you, and living out the mission. To be a steward of what God has given me. To give my best. What God has given me, I'm going to do my best to take care of it. To be accountable. Simply God, I'm screwing up a little bit. God, forgive me and help me to get out of this rut. To be responsible, not be foolish with what God has given to us to walk in the authority. You know, one of the greatest shames of all the world is God gives his kids authority and power on this earth. But many of us, we don't walk in that authority. We don't walk in the power that God has given and made available to us, the power of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, one of the greatest things is living out the mission. We all God has put us here with a mission, mission impossible, to preach the word of God, not only with words, but with my life, to preach the truth. And understanding that with being a steward, accountable, responsible, and having authority and living a mission, it starts with being separated. So the very first thing God did, it says that God created, God created Right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. God said, let there be light. There was light. And God saw the light was good. And then what did he do? He separated light from darkness. I don't know about you, but I do appreciate having the light. I don't know about you. I enjoy waking up in the morning, opening up the blinds. Ah, sunshine. I enjoy seeing the brightness of the sun come up over the horizon as it becomes sunny and sunshiny. What miserable day would it be if we had to live in darkness 24-7? What kind of day in life would it be without having any light, without having any kind of light at all? God created light, but then what did he do? He separated the light from darkness. And so as we acknowledge that God is creator, as there begins a shift mentally and in our feelings in our life, as we understand we're here to steward, to be accountable, responsible, and have an authority and live in the mission, one of the things that God is asking me to do is learn a life that separates light from darkness. Well, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. We're going to share a little story that kind of illustrates that. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse 1. This is a little R-rated for a second. I apologize. Genesis 4, starting at verse 1, it says, Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help. I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd. Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of the crops as a gift. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock the lord accepted abel and his gift but he did not accept cain and his gift this made cain very angry and he looked dejected and god said why are you angry the lord asked cain why do you look so dejected you will be accepted if you do what is right but if you refuse to do what's right then watch out sin is crouching at the door eager to control you but you must master it and you must be its master so one day Because Cain ignored what God had said. Cain suggests to his brother, Hey, let's go out into the fields and play marbles. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. Afterward the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know. Cain responded, Am I my brother's guardian? And there's so many things within this story that are powerful and amazing. You know, as God says to Cain, we start with this as God talks to Cain, he said, Be careful because sin is crouching at your door. And that word crouching is a picture of a house. Picture a house for a minute, a trailer, picture anything that is a structure, a demon waiting outside for the that door, that window, to just have a little crack so they can sh through. God says to Cain, Be careful. Because sin or demons are always waiting outside for the second there is just a little crack so they can slip through, so they can get in that door, so they can get in that window. Be careful. God says, I'm going to accept you if you do what is right. God had given the opportunity to Adam and Eve to have children. Ah, oh, that's so wonderful, right? They gave him and they had two boys, Cain, and then they have Abel. One becomes a farmer, nothing wrong with that. The other becomes a shepherd, nothing wrong with that. But as these two boys grow up in their occupation, there was a difference between the two men. There was a difference between these two young men. Even though one was a farmer and he, he produced produce, he was producing good crops, wonderful bell peppers for that Philly cheesesteak sandwich, he cultivated the ground, he worked hard at his job because how many of us know if you're a farmer, sun up, sundown, you gotta work hard, you gotta work your butt off. And so he became good at his craft, he loved his craft, he loved produce. And then his brother, his younger brother, He was a shepherd. What did he do? He watched over animals all day. Also a hard job because you walked around constantly. You had to protect your animals from thieves and robbers and naughty people. You have to protect your animals from from animals, other animals eating yours. So here's Abel in his short life, becomes a shepherd, becomes good at a shepherd, It becomes time, it says, for them to both present an offering to God. Cain, when he presents an offering to God, just just, God, I'll just give you a little bit. Hey, God, here's a spare change in my car. God, it's kind of like when you go to the gas station and somebody asks you, do you have any change? It's like, yeah, sure, here's a couple pennies. I'll give you my spare change, right? Sometimes, some of us, unfortunately, that's how we make offerings to God. God, here's my spare change. And for Abel in the story, as he makes his offering, he's looking around. He's looking at the evidence. He's looking at the earth. He's looking at his job. He's looking at his sheep and the animals that he's tending. And he's like, wow, I love this. This is so amazing. God, this is so beautiful. God, I love what I do. God, I love your creation. How I can I do anything but offer you my very, 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 very best. There was two different mind, different two different mindsets in these two young men. There was two different things happening in Cain and Abel. There were so many different things that were going on inside of them. One who chose to see the evidence of what God had given to him. And for the other one, he absorbed like a sponge all that God had provided for him. And so from the beginning, because what does light do? Light gives us the ability to what? To see. There was a sight difference between Cain and Abel. There was something that these two men, they saw differently. Just like this morning, if all of us were to leave here and go to a museum that had different pictures, there's some of us this morning, we would look at a painting and say, eh, it's beautiful, it's okay." But then there would be one of us who would stand, that could stand and look at a picture for an hour and say, wow, that's so beautiful. It's so amazing because all of us this morning we see life. Some of us in similar ways, but in many ways we see life differently. And why do we see life differently? It comes down: have we been given the ability to see? John eight twelve says, Jesus spoke to the people once morning. He said, "I am the light of the world." If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. How do we get the greatest ability to see? It's not going to the eye doctor, not saying they're horrible or weird, but an eye doctor can't make you see what you need to see. Does the eye doctor help you see what's in front of you? Absolutely. But the eye doctor cannot help you see the most important thing which is the world that we can't see the things that we can't see the things that we don't understand there's only one place we can go to get the ability to see and that is jesus christ who says i'm the light of the world if you follow me you won't have to walk in darkness darkness is ignorance Darkness is a place where it's hard to see and walk around and stumble and fall. Darkness, being in the dark, not having a clear understanding, being confused, having a mental fog. It's crazy. They say that COVID, one of the things that it did to our brain is it attacked this front part of our brain. And, and so for many people created a mental fog. And many of us had mental fog anyway. Okay, let's, let's just get that right on the open. No doubt. There's many of us that lived with mental fog anyway. If you don't have the proper amount of coffee in the morning, we could have the mental fog, right? <laughs> but Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't walk in ignorance. You won't walk in confusion. You won't walk in a mental state of everything being foggy because you have the light, which is Jesus, that leads to life. What kind of life does God want you to have? John 10.10, I came to give you life, but not only any kind of life. Life to the what? The fullest, to the max. But I'm not going to get to that point if I don't follow and have the ability to see. Jesus replied, John 11:9. There's 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. If we allowed God this morning to give us the ability to see when we walk out of here when we get in our vehicles i hope and pray that you have the ability to see because if you don't you could what you could be hit or you could hit somebody else because you're not seeing clearly but spiritually this morning see many of us have spiritual car wrecks every single day spiritual mishaps spiritual disasters Why? Because we didn't let God give us the ability to see. Second thing I love in this story with Cain and Abel... And understanding, number one, remember, God is our creator. And as we understand God is our creator, we understand that I'm made for worship. I'm made for adoration. I'm not made to be adored. I'm not made to receive glory. But I am absolutely, God made me to give him adoration and to give him the glory. As I see the evidence of his creation, as I see the evidence of what God has done. Now, how many of us know we can't see God? But we see the effects of God. How many of us know we can't see him? And so there's many people who say, I don't see God, so I don't believe. I don't see God, so I don't believe. But we absolutely see the effects of God. Just like when you're in love, Ah, we see the effects of someone who's in love. They walk all stupid and crazy. They definitely got that mental fog going on because that's the only thing they're thinking about. Hubba hubba ding ding. Can't wait to, you know. But anyway... gotta keep it g-rated we're made for worship we're made to adore god and so as we take a step back and we think about worship for a second what exactly is worship now we opened up this morning with psalms 27 right one through seven And as you look at that, what was the last thing he says? I'm going to offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing, praising with the Lord, with music. King David, and we know this guy, right? I mean, it wasn't that he was buff. It wasn't that he was seven feet tall. But this man was a mighty warrior. He was courageous. As a young teenager, he fought off a bear and a lion to protect his sheep. He was crazy. Maybe it was a little cuckoo up there, but he was crazy. But one of the things he learned in life, God's made me for worship. With shouts of praise. Shouts of praise. When sometimes we're watching our favorite teams, mine is the Lakers, and sometimes I scream at them when they're doing bad, and sometimes I shout when they're doing good. We understand shouts of praise. We can get along with it. But God didn't make us to praise God we see, he made us to worship what we can't see. And so we read that story of Cain and Abel. Two men, right, they both made an offering, but only one understood worship. Two men made an offering to God. See, in life, I don't know if we have figured this out yet. Sometimes, some days, you always get what you put into it. You will always get what you put into life. So for every life, relationship, job, and church, absolutely, most definitely, worship, the word of God. You always, this is a principle of God. It's not a principle that the universe made up. No, this is a principle that comes from God's word. And we see it with Cain and Abel. You get out of life what you put into it. If you're not getting what you think you should be from God, then don't start blaming God. Where's the tissue? Stop blaming God. Stop blaming people if you don't get what you think you need to be getting. What we have to learn to do is ask ourselves well, what am I giving? What am I giving? What am I serving? If I'm not getting, what I think I should be from God, if God is not raining dollar bills from heaven, if God is not giving me the health that I think I deserve, if God is not providing the job because I need a new job and get rid of this boss over here, if God is not giving me what I think I should be getting, it's not blaming him. It's not getting mad at him. It's asking myself, well, what am I giving The law, and one of the greatest principles of life is you will get what you put into. We were made for worship. Abel, you know what his name meant? Temporary, like a breath. And sadly enough, his parents, when they were born, you know, when, when you have a baby come out and it's painful and beautiful... And all those things and emotions at the same time. For whatever reason, daddy and mommy, they called their boy Abel, which means temporary, like a breath. And you know what happened? His life, it was temporary. It was only there for a short time because his brother killed him. But Abel, in his short life, in his young life, he understood, I'm made worship and so when god said it's time to present your sacrifice it was automatic you don't have to teach me you don't have to train me god deserves my best what kind of worship does god want what kind of worship is god asking for well it's not a lot but he is asking for our heart mind and soul and my life now you might say man god's asking for too much but let's take a step back. If any of us are in a relationship this morning, what are you demanding of that other person? Hey uh, yeah, the same thing. Heart, mind, and soul in their life. Yeah, interestingly enough, see? We have to see the human concepts in our brain. Oh, God, no, oh, no, no, God, no, 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 no. <sighs> Forget this God stuff. He wants way too much. Really? Well, do we think we're God then? Because what we expect of our spouse or what we expect in relationships, what we expect from our friends, we're demanding their best and their all. Ah, but when it comes to God, no, 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 (laughs) no. So this morning as we start to wrap up, John 14, 6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one no one comes to the Father except through me. Who is Jesus? He's the way the truth and life. Who is Jesus? He says, I'm the light. I'm the revelation. I'm the one who gives you, because when the lights turn on, the ability to see. Colossians, one of my favorite, 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 favorite verses, Colossians 1:15 through 16. This is amazing. Christ jesus is the visible image of the invisible god who is god it's jesus who is God? What does he look like? What does he sound like? What kind of clothes would God wear? We know what he would wear. We know how, what he would say. We know what God would do if he was here. He would be Jesus because Jesus is the visible picture of the invisible God. Jesus was loving, kind, gracious, except to religious people. He liked to slap them around because they were cranky and grouchy all the time jesus treated people with so much love and grace and mercy giving new beginnings and new life to every single person he came into contact with it wasn't about his clothes it wasn't about his outfit it wasn't about how he looked and sounded and dressed it wasn't about the image that he portrayed it was about life and he came to give life and he came to create life he came to give the ability to see Christ the visible image of the invisible God who is God it's Jesus Jesus existed before anything was created Jesus is supreme over all creation through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth he made the things that we can see and the things that we can not see such as thrones kingdoms rulers authorities in the unseen world everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus Verse 17, Jesus existed before anything else, and Jesus holds all creation together. Jesus is holding all creation together. Verse 17, verse 18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Jesus is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning and he is supreme over all who rise from the dead he is first in everything our last part of the verse verse 19. god in all his fullness was pleased to live in christ and through him god reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything in heaven on earth by means of christ's blood on the cross what is the big picture in 2024 what is the big picture for this year the year has already started 2023 is already gone i don't know about you i blinked and it was gone it was quick it was fast it's like going through mcdonald's drive through sometimes it takes a long time not that i would know but yes 2023 you blinked and it was gone just because the french fries are amazing 2023 is here and gone. 2024 has already began. We are here in a new year. We are here. We are started. We're living. We are breathing. And we are moving in a brand new year. And in this brand new year, have I allowed God in this big picture, in this 2024 year, have I allowed God to give me See the creation, the cross, and eternity. Simple creation, cross, and eternity. If I allowed Him to give me the ability to see. If we're walking around in the darkness, guess what happens? <laughs> Stumble and fall. And many of us in situations, in relationships, in jobs, in workplaces, in our life, in our homes, none of us are perfect, so we all do. There are times when we stumble down the stairs because the lights aren't on or you step in dog poop and you want to kill somebody. That's a different day, different story. If you don't have the light, you can't walk properly. If you don't have the light, you can't see properly. Jesus said blind people, they do what? They lead other blind people into what? Ditches. I want to drive my car in a ditch. I don't want to get stuck and have to be pulled out. When I was a kid and had the opportunity to get my first own vehicle, was a Jeep, and I'll never forget. Me and my friends were, you know, just lovely crazy kids cruising around town. But one day we're driving on on the far side, Val Vista, and we're we're driving in the in the in the far side. It was one of those years where there was a lot of water. And, and I had a little Jeep, it's red, wasn't lifted, nothing, four-wheel drive, though. And we were just cruising, cruising through, and there was a small little stream river that was probably about, you know, I don't know, two and a half feet tall. Just cruising right through, sure, no problem. Come up to another one. This one covered the hood. Still, little Jeep, made it through, no problem. get to the other side. I had one little problem with this car. My tires were bald. So I made it through the first little stream. Eh, two and a half feet, no problem. We're we're cool, we're cruising. Second one, water over the hood. But you know what, still made it through. Third one, or the third part, I couldn't get up this little tiny hill because by that time, the tires were so soaking wet and had no traction because they were bald, then my car got stuck. Had to pay someone 350 bucks. As a teenager, you know that hurts. Hurts today, so imagine 20 years ago, right? 20-plus years ago. A week later, I'm driving up Massacre Canyon, thinking, "That's ah, going to be cool. I'm going to just drive up through Massacre Canyon, right? Just driving along. Same ball tires. What happened? Stuck again. I had to call one of my friends, older brother's friend, with his big old Ford F-150 truck that was like a 1970 beat-up you know, junker. But you know what? He pulled me right out again. Second time, he let me go for free that day because I paid him three fifty the week before. Gave me a freebie. Ah, that was so sweet. See, but many of us, we don't realize in many situations, our heart, mind, and soul are being led into a ditch because we have not allowed God to give us the ability to see spiritually in every single situation. And again, there's no perfect person. I screw up all the time. I have, you know, you know, judgmental and and angry thoughts, frustrating thoughts, just like the rest of us do. But if we can only see the big picture, if we can only see the big picture, if we can only see the big picture, the creation, the cross and eternity, to understand I'm created God has given me life and breath and a purpose to understand there is more happening than what I see right here. Just because I don't like you right now, just because I don't like that person right now, just because I want to throw daggers at that person right now, sometimes we get so angry and frustrated. Why? Because we don't see the what? The big picture. And so with 2024, as we started the year, remember... Our, our beautiful and this is a good time to show this even though it's a little blurry for those who like grilled cheese every perfect sandwich comes with the perfect amount of ingredients what's the number one ingredient God is asking and saying this is what I need you to get in 2024 the ability to see let's simply ask God together God give me the ability to see this year God, help me to see situations before they happen. God, help me to see a mess or a wreck spiritually, God, before something goes down. God, help me to be and to give all that I have, understanding I'm made for worship, so that my life reflect you everywhere I go and everything that I do. But God, first, help me to see the big picture with the ability to see.